Welcome to the sermon podcast for Canton Church, a campus of Mount Perrin North. We exist to help people live a Christ-centered life, especially those disconnected from Christ. And we hope you are encouraged by today's message. Is it all right with you guys if I preach wet from here down? Is that all right? Uh, yeah, I'm, I'm kind of sopping a little bit as I step here. That's all right, though. Hey, in our house uh, over the last few weeks, it's, it's been a little bit chaotic, a little bit crazy. Depending on your season of life and kind of where you find yourself, that may not be the case for you. There's other seasons of time, I'm sure, where you're busy and there's a lot of things going on. But in our house, we have a sixth grader, fourth grader, second grader, and a kindergartner. So we are wrapping up a school year at the same time, I got an amen over here from somebody, uh, at the same time that we're wrapping up spring seasons of sports for, a couple, for my sons, uh, and then we're starting some summer sports. So all of that comes in together at the same time just to make for some craziness and uh, just a lot of things happening. And so as we're wrapping up the school year, uh, what has been happening, and maybe you, you remember this if, this, if you're not in this season, or maybe you, you are experiencing it currently if you are in this season, there's just a lot of things that happen at the end of the school year. Like there's field days, and there's awards days, and there's end-of-year parties, and there's yearbook signing days, and there's all kinds of things. And some of those events we go to, where parents are invited to those things. And uh, I have not been at all of them. I've been at some of them. My wife has been at like every single one of them because she's the world's greatest mom. I should have been at the same ones that she was at, but a couple weeks ago I went out of town for several days to play in a golf tournament. Um, pray for me, you know, if you, no, I'm just kidding. I played really well though. I really did. But, uh, I missed three days in a row of like field day and I missed three scrimmages and two practices and I missed several things. My wife was able to juggle all that and, and be at all these things. And we went to, uh, I got back to town and we went to some of the other awards days and, you know, middle school awards are different. You get, you know, attendance awards. If you've not been absent or we never get those. Uh, if you've not been tardy, we never get those. Um, and so, like, we don't get those. Scholarly awards, we get some of those. You know, character awards, we get a few of those. My, my daughter, Kinley, she's five. She, um, she is in kindergarten. She's wrapping up kindergarten this year. And she has the same kindergarten teacher that her three older brothers had. It's really cool. Great. Miss Canonan is a great lady at Liberty Elementary. We, we love her. And so she gives out awards based on your personality and the way that you interact with your friends in the class all year long. And she does that based on a candy bar. So Kinley won the Snickers Award because she makes everybody laugh and she has a sweet personality and she's so nice to everybody. So she hands her a certificate and she shakes her hand and she hands her a Snickers bar. And so then she asked Kinley, hey, I want you to tell me on video, she had recorded this part, I want you to tell me what you want to be when you grow up. Now, Kinley's five, remember? And so she says, um, I want to be a singer because singing is my talent and I've had that talent since I was a baby. She did not win the humility award. Um, but no, you know what I did as a dad? I videoed the screen of her video to catch that, and I videoed her accepting her award and getting her Snickers bar. Why? Same reason I did for her brothers. Because I wanted to be there to recognize when other people were recognizing her for being a Snickers or something. Right? I wanted to be there for Cooper in middle school on awards day when he was being recognized. Other people are recognizing you. I want to recognize you as well. And there are times in our lives, even when we're not little kids, 
where that still continues to happen. My parents came to my high school graduation. My parents were there for my wedding. They, they were there for the birth of several of the children that we have. And they, you know, they were there at different events and different activities. And, and maybe you, know, you get to a certain place where maybe your parents don't show up. Like if you get a promotion at work, that'd be weird if dad showed up and was like, yeah, man, that's awesome. And you know, that'd be a little weird. I get that. But maybe they call you at the end of the day and go, hey, did you get the job? You get the promotion. Maybe they're texting you. Maybe they, you know, they give you a present. They take you out to dinner because they want to recognize something that you are being recognized for. And so today I want us to look just quickly at a story in one of the Gospels. The Gospels are the first four books of the New Testament, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. I want us to look at a story in the Gospel of John that helps us to see some of that, you know, that life and ministry of Jesus. I want us to look at one of those first few stories about Jesus in John chapter 1. If you've got a Bible, you can flip there with me. Scripture should be up on the screen today. But John chapter 1, if you remember these gospel accounts, and, and if you're not familiar with the scriptures, I'll kind of bring you up to speed. Each of these gospel accounts, Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, were a different point of view, a different perspective, a different recording of these stories of the life and ministry of Jesus. They came from a different approach. They were really written to a different group of people. Some were written to the Jewish people. Some were written to the more Gentile people. Some were written, you know, to talk about the, the love or the passion of Christ. Some were written about the, more of the laws, and some were written more towards the miracles and the things that he did. Some were more about teaching. And so you see all of those things in these four books. And so in each of the four Gospels, you have some story about either the birth of Christ or the beginning of his ministry. And each of the Gospels has the various miracles and teachings and things. And what we're going to read about today is the baptism of Jesus, the actual water baptism of Jesus, which is recorded at some point in some fashion in all four of the Gospels. And the John account here is comes after, if you remember, John does not give us, you know, the, the, the Christmas story that we read on Christmas because John doesn't take Jesus back to the lineage of Joseph or to the lineage of Mary. John takes Jesus all the way back to God. He says, John 1, he says, in the beginning was the Word, capital W if you're paying attention there, and the Word was with God and the Word was God. He was in the beginning. It says later that he, the word became flesh and, and dwelt among us. The message translation says that the word Jesus put on skin and moved into our neighborhood. Right? It says it's talking about taking us all the way back, the lineage of Jesus, all the way back to God the Father. And then what we have is we have the story of, you know, John the Baptist. John the Baptist was the forerunner of Jesus. He came before Jesus as it relates to not just birth order, but also to the ministry. And he came declaring the way of Jesus, that Jesus was coming. And there was one that he was not worthy to hold his sandals and all of these things. And then we see John talking about Jesus when he sees Jesus here recorded in John chapter 1, beginning in verse 29, this is what he says. The next day, John saw Jesus coming toward him and said, Look, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. Stop right there. Don't read ahead. Use some self-discipline. Do not read ahead. Wait. John sees Jesus and says, Look, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. Now, if you can, just for the next 60 seconds, take out of your mind what you know about Jesus. Take out of your mind the cross and the empty tomb and the salvation of humanity. Take all that out of, out of equation. And think about hearing the words of John for the first time. Look, the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. That's weird. Jesus was a man walking down the, earth, or walking down the road. And while he's walking down the road, John says, look, the carpenter's son. You know the guy that makes our chairs? 
and our tables and stuff, that guy's son is the Lamb of God and he takes away the sins of the world. That's weird. So then John continues to talk about Jesus and to talk about what is happening. He says, this is what I meant, verse 30, when I said, a man who comes after me has surpassed me because he was before me. Stop. What? A man who comes after me, because John was first, surpasses me. He's greater than me because he was before me. The Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the earth. This is what I was talking about when I said that there's a man who comes after me who surpasses me because he was before me. I myself did not know him, but the reason I came baptizing with water was that he might be revealed to Israel. So the purpose of John coming first and the purpose of John baptizing in water was so that Israel would recognize who Jesus was as he goes out and does ministry. He's revealing. Now, Israel is the people of God. Most of the stories of the Old Testament, even some of the stories of the early part of the New Testament, are about the Israeli people. They're about the children of God, the people of God. And so what we have is, according to the early parts of the book of Genesis, we see that God promises to Father Abraham that he's going to make them a great people and a great nation and give them great land. And there's a promise and then the stories of Joseph. Joseph goes, if you remember, and he helps, to, you know, helps them not to starve to death. And so all of his family comes into Egypt. And then eventually the Pharaoh dies off and Joseph dies off. And then the Israeli people that were there, the Hebrew people, what they do is they start you know, having lots of babies. And they eventually become so great that they're going to overtake the Egyptian people. And the Pharaoh decides to enslave them. And after he decides to enslave them, they spend now hundreds of years in captivity in Egypt until God sends Moses. Moses brings them out of captivity. He leads them eventually to the edge of the promised land. Joshua takes over, leads them into the promised land, and then God gives them laws and establishes them as a people. Here's how people will know that you follow me and that you are in relationship with me. Here's a do's and don'ts list. You check these things off. Do these things, don't do these things. That's how you have a relationship with God in the Old Testament. That's how the children of Israel would do that. And so John is saying right here, for the people that are used to a do's and don'ts list to know God, they've got to see Jesus be baptized in water. And you're like, well, that doesn't make sense because I don't understand that because what we just read in Romans chapter 6 is that when you're baptized in water, you are putting to, lie, putting to death the sinful nature, and you are raising to life this new life in Christ. Jesus, surely he didn't have to be baptized to demonstrate the death that he had not experienced yet, literally, and be raised figuratively to life, which he would eventually... So what is it about? It's about revealing who he is to Israel. Keep reading, verse 32. Then John gave this testimony. I saw the Spirit come down from heaven as a dove and remain on him, and I myself did not know him, but the one who sent me to baptize with water told me, the man on whom you see the Spirit come down and remain is the one who will baptize with the Holy Spirit. I have seen and I testify that this is God's chosen one. Now what John is referencing here is he's referencing a scene that is a little more clearly spelled out in Mark chapter 1. So if you've got a Bible, flip over there to Mark chapter 1. Again, it's going to be up on the screen in just a minute. But Mark chapter 1, beginning in verse 9, tells that story in real time. This is what it says. At that time, Jesus came from Nazareth in Galilee and was baptized by John in the Jordan River, not in a horse trough. Just as Jesus was coming up out of the water, he saw heaven being torn open, the Spirit descending on him like a dove, and a voice came from heaven saying, You are my Son, whom I love. With you I am well 
pleased. You are my son, whom I love. With you I am well pleased. So the writer here, Mark, is helping us to see that when Jesus went down in the water and came up out of the water, what John said is that this took place so that Israel would know who Jesus was. Who was Jesus? According to the voice of God in the moment of baptism, he was the Son of God who was loved by God, and God was pleased with him. So that a people who were used to checking off do's and don'ts, this is how you get to God. This is how you find God. Do these things, don't do these things. Do these things, don't do these things. Here's the problem. Most of us are still living a relationship with God that way. We think that's all it is. Do these things, don't do these things. You, you heard a couple people that were baptized today say that. You know, I, I don't get to church as much. You know, I did some bad things. I didn't do some good things. And so we, we've equated following after God with doing the right things and not doing the wrong things. We've fallen back into what the Israelites did. And what you have... Is John saying, no, listen, I need to reveal to you through the power of God something new for you. And so Jesus goes down in the water of the Jordan River and he comes up out of the water. And this incredible picture of the Trinity is displayed. The Son of God comes out of the water. The Spirit of God descends on him like a dove and the voice of God begins to speak. It's the Trinity. It's that three parts, the three persons of the Godhead all in one picture, all in one moment. Jesus out of the water, the Spirit descending like a dove, the voice of God, and he says three things that are important to Jesus and to me and you. He said, this is my son, identity, relationship. This is not just some good teacher. This is not just somebody that you know, is neat to follow and he's going to do some really cool miracles. He said, this is, according to John 3.16, the only begotten son of God. This is my son. Not only is there identity and relationship, he says, and I love him. I love my son. It's, again, it's not just some distant relative, some, you know, like you're sitting at Thanksgiving and like Uncle Joe's sitting next to you. You like Uncle Joe. You don't really love Uncle Joe. That's not what God sent. He didn't just send like an angel so that you would have a little taste of heaven. He said, no, no, I sent my one and only son who I love. Affection. Identity, relationship, Affection all identified here in the words of God, the voice of God speaking about this moment, revealing to Israel that Jesus, who is being baptized by John the Baptist in this moment, this is somebody you should pay attention to because he's my son who I sent, relationship, identity, I love him, affection. And then what did he say? He said, and I'm pleased with him. Affirmation. It's what we do with our kids when we show up at their things and we say, hey, somebody's affirming you and I want to affirm you too. Somebody's recognizing you, and I want to recognize you too. I'm proud. When they're handing the Snickers out, I'm like, that's my girl. And I eat Snickers. Like, that's my, that's just, I'm probably eating that Snickers. She's probably not going to eat that. It's really just what's going to happen. I'm going to be like, baby, that's bad for your teeth. Let daddy take that. But congratulations. <laughs> I, this is my daughter, who I love, whom I am pleased with. Right? Thank God she didn't win, like, the Oat Brand Award or something, right? Because, no, I'm pleased. I love her. This is my daughter. This is my son. And so when we look at this, we say, okay, this is, this is how God revealed Jesus to all of Israel. Son, identity, relationship, who I love, affection, with whom I am pleased, affirmation. And you look at that story and you look at that person and you go, okay, well, so what does that look like for me? 
What does that look like for me? Well, the Bible tells us that you and I are joint heirs with Jesus. It means that when you enter into relationship with God, you become a brother to Jesus, a co-heir, a son or daughter of God. You and I receive the identity and relationship with God that Jesus himself was given. Right? This is my son. This is my daughter. You and I have the opportunity to fall into that relationship just by acknowledging that we need God. We become the sons and the daughters of God. And he looks at us, his sons and his daughters, and he looks at us and he says, and I love you, right? The Bible tells us that how can we know the love of God, that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. That's how we can know. John 3, 16 says that for God so loved the world, hello, everybody in the world, that he gave his one and only son that whosoever believes in him would not perish but have eternal life. He loves you. You have identity. You have relationship as the son or daughter of God, and you have his affection towards you, and you had his affection before you could do anything to actually please him. And yet, If you read all the way to the end of the story, there comes a day that we hope we arrive to, and he looks at us and he says, well done, good and faithful servant. We can please God, but it's not a merit-based, honoring type of thing that we are good enough by checking the do's and don'ts off that God says, no, I'm, okay, yeah, I'm pleased with you now. I'm proud. No, 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 he he was pleased with us before. He loved us first. He loved us best And so we look to the person of Jesus and we recognize that we too can be the sons and daughters of God, that we receive the love of God, and that we can receive the affirmation of God as he's pleased with us. I have a bad habit in my life. You may not think it's that bad, but I think it it is. My wife thinks it is. I, I use the GPS on my phone when I drive to places, and I don't listen to it. I don't. I, I use it all the time. Like, even if I know where I'm going, I leave my house and I'm driving to the church, I know how to get here. But I put it in anyway because there's a cool app on here called Waze. You, you may use another one. That's great. But Waze is great because you put in the address and it will help you also know not just how to get from point A to point B, but it'll tell you if there's traffic in between and it shows you different colored roads based on the speed of that road, based on the traffic patterns. You know, there are, are people you know, who sit in cars with lights on top that observe traffic patterns. Waze tells you where they're sitting observing traffic patterns. And so I just like to be an informed citizen to know where the, you know, civil servants of the community are so we can pray for them as we pass on by. And that's not really true. But so I use that wherever I'm going, everywhere. Corey's like, you know how to get there? I'm like, yeah, but I don't know where traffic's at and I don't know where people are observing traffic from. So I want to know where they're at. So I, I, I use that. But here's the problem. Here's the problem. I get in my car and I start driving. And if I know where I'm going, you know, the voice will say, turn right here. I'd be like, that's not right. No, no I'm supposed to turn two lights up, aren't I? I mean, I, I, we're supposed to, no, that's definitely the slower route. I'm going to keep going and I'm going to get up here and I'm going to turn right at the second light. And then we're going to cross over the train tracks and, I'm gonna, and then we'll be right there. And I crest the hill and there's traffic stopped and we sit there for like 10 minutes. And the whole time I'm thinking, man, how do I get out of this traffic? And Waze will say to me, because you missed your turn back there, idiot. Like, that's what it'll, <laughs> I told you to turn and you missed it, you know? Corey, with all the compassion she can muster, will say to me sometimes when I'm doing that, she'll say, why do you even use it if you don't listen to it? 
How many of us do that with Jesus? We just, we just think we know the way better. We just, we just think, no, this, you know, I know this is what I feel like he's saying to me. You know, I know this is what, you know, I think God is trying to do in my life, but it just, I really feel like maybe I know a better way. And when we listen for the voice of God, I don't know what you're listening for. I was at a thing Friday night, and the man said he was hoping that the voice of God would sound like Charlton Heston on the top of the mountain, you know, and do this. And he said, that's not the way God speaks to him, and it's not the way God speaks to me. And God usually speaks to me in a still, small voice in my soul. Usually, I just, I, it's an impression more than it is words, specific words sometimes. It's just, it's just a, it's a nudging towards obedience and faithfulness. A nudging towards a confidence that God is doing what he promised he would do. Sometimes it is opening up. I know this is foreign to some of you. This is a printed Bible. But whether you have a printed Bible or a device or your computer, all of it's the same. It's the word of God. It's opening up the word of God and going, oh, before I was even born, God wrote something through the hands of men that speaks right to where I'm at today. Thank you, God, for speaking to me listening to the voice of God, listening to the words of God, and obeying. When he says go, you go. When he says stop, you stop. When he says speak, you speak. When he says shut up, you shut up. We, we have these amazing things in the back of these printed Bibles, and they're available online, and they're the maps of the stories of some of the Scripture. You know, you can see all the missionary journeys of Paul. And you can see the journey of the children of Israel that we talked about when they came out of Egypt and they went towards the promised land. They walked out of Egypt, Moses at the front of the line. They walked out of Egypt into the desert. And all they had to do was just keep walking, just go straight. If they had ways in those days, ways would be like, you know, your destination is just a couple days journey ahead. Just keep walking to the promised land. But if you look at the maps... They went like this way and this way and this way and they circled back for a little while and they went this way and this way and you're like, who in the world was their GPS? It was a cloud by day and a pillar of fire by night led by the Spirit of God. Because God knew a couple of things. One, he knew that they were coming out of Egypt as slaves. And if they walked into the promised land that required them to be warriors, that they would get annihilated. Because as soon as they walked into the promised land, a couple books later, they walked in under the direction of Joshua and they marched straight towards Jericho, a fortified city with warriors there. And God says, go and take the land which I've given to you. If he'd have told that to a group of slaves, they'd have been like, no, 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 we just follow orders from, you know, master and we just follow orders from the people that are going to provide food to us. And we just, no, we're, we're looking, no, we'll just, we'll just work for them. That's what we've done for the last couple hundred years. And God says, no, no, I got I to gotta train you to trust me to listen to my words. I'll provide your food, which he did. I'll give you instruction, which he did. And eventually there was a generation that trusted God. There was a generation that died off in the wilderness, including Moses himself. And Joshua leads those people into the promised land and they trust God. God gives them the laws and the rules that they would know God by until Jesus shows up and finds himself in the Jordan River. And John said, Here's what God's people need to look to now. It's the one who comes up out of the water. He was baptized to be revealed to Israel. 
as the Spirit descended upon him in the words of God, said, this is my son who I love and with whom I am pleased. And can I say to you today, whether this is the first time you've walked into this church or any church or you've been attending church all your life or you've been here a while, if you respond to God, if you just look to God, don't make it too difficult and just say, God, I, I think I've been trying to like GPS my own life. I think I've been trying to lead me and I'm lost. And God, would you lead me? God, would you forgive me for the times I've messed it up? Would you just lead and guide my life? You don't have to do what you heard just a minute. You don't have to pray that prayer every day. You don't have to pray, God, forgive me every day. You don't have to pray, God, but I think you could probably pray, Lord, lead me today, every day. He doesn't, he doesn't, it's not about do's and don'ts. It's not, he doesn't get hung up on, I think he's just saying like, would you just look to me and acknowledge you're lost? And just say, God, would you lead me? Would you forgive me? Here's what you would hear. If you just tune your ears to the heavens, and it may just be a still small voice in your soul, I think you would hear, this is now my son. This is now my daughter. And I love you so much. And I am so pleased with you. I love you so much. I loved you first. I love you best. I loved you before you could be good. I loved you before you were pleased with yourself. I'm just here loving you, pleased with you because you're my son, you're my daughter. We sang a song earlier. It's a good song. It's one of my favorite songs. It includes some words from an old song, though. It's one of my favorite songs, too. One of my mom and dad's favorite songs. They taught it to me when I was a little boy. And the words of that song say, I have decided to follow Jesus. I have decided to follow Jesus. I have decided to follow Jesus. No turning back. No turning back. And then it says this, though none go with me, still I will follow Though nobody will go with me, still I will follow. Though none go with me, still I will follow. No turning back. No turning back. I want you to stand with me this morning. We're going to sing this song, but here's what we're going to do. We're not going to sing the song as just words on a screen or words you've known most of your life. We're going to sing the song as a prayer. We're going to ask God to let it be true of our lives. We're going to ask God that we would truly follow after him because the question today is how good are you actually following Jesus? And how much are you trying to follow your own lead and follow yourself and follow your instructions and your direction? No, no, no. God wants you to say, God, I'm following you. Lead me. Guide me. Direct me. If nobody will go with me, if my friends and my family say no and they shun me and they turn their back on me, God, I'm going to follow you and I'm not going to turn my back on you. God, I am following you with all of my heart. God, today I pray for every person in this place. God, as we've heard these words, as we've seen life change and celebration through baptism, I pray that we would be like Israel, that we would see your son Jesus 
who you sent to us and we would see him as your son loved by you, affirmed by you and that God, not only that we would recognize that we can follow in his footsteps not just in the waters of baptism but as we follow you John 14 and 6 says that Jesus, Jesus said, I am the way, the truth and the life no one gets to the Father except by me except through me, going through me to get to the Father. So God, help us today to follow Jesus with all of our heart because he leads us straight to you. It's not about do's and don'ts. It's not about rights and wrongs. God, those things are in response to you, not to earn your love. They're in relationship with you, not to be good enough to approach you. God, help us today to receive the free gift that you offer to us of salvation and to follow your lead every single place that you lead and guide us. God will give you all the glory and all the honor. In Jesus' name we pray. Thanks again for listening today. If you would like more information about today's message or about our church, we invite you to visit us at cantonchurch.com or on Facebook at facebook.com slash cantonchurchga.